Hey, welcome to the Victory Family Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Come on, isn't that amazing to get a chance to be able to serve people like this in our region? Newcastle, we love you so much. Cranberry, Meadville, don't you love the Newcastle folks? Come on, man, we're making a difference all over this region, making an impact. Thank you. I want to take a moment and, of course, welcome Newcastle, Meadville, our online church. We love you so much. Cranberry, again, give everybody a welcome that's with us today. We love you so much. What a blessing. I want to uh, just remind you that starting tonight, we're, we're having a four-night uh, focus on prayer, calling it Pray First. And, and I want to help you to learn how to have a prayer life. I want to help you to learn how to come into an environment where prayer isn't just something vague to you and maybe even unnecessary. So Sunday night, this not tonight through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, we're going to be having prayer. Now, I'll give you the details here at Cranberry, but your campus pastors in a moment will give you uh, the details at your campuses. But, but at Cranberry, uh, every night, 7 o'clock, we're going to meet here for one hour. We're going to pray together. And But I want to encourage you today and at all of our campuses, and you'll get your specific instructions how to do this there, is I'm going to ask you before you leave today to write down prayer requests and either come to the front of the, uh, here at Cranberry, to the crosses on either side, and, and pin them, and all the things are here for your needs when you get up there. Write it down, pin it to the cross, or if you go out Tunnel 3, there's a wall of prayer requests you can post it there with a post-it note. We're going to take all of those prayer requests. We're going to pray over them tonight, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night in prayer. And I just want to help you to, to expect God to do something great in your life. So make sure you avail yourself to that. Please put it as a priority in your life. Learn how to be a person of prayer as we focus in these next four days, as we have our time together as a church, as we pray first. Now, I've been sharing for weeks now on family values, and if you're new to the series or new to Victory, it's not a series on the, on the family like the mom and dad and kids, but it's the family of God here at Victory. And here's how it originated is a couple of years ago, our executive pastor, Pastor Matt Gates, came to me and he said, you know, Pastor John, uh, you and Michelle, you know, have been obviously, you founded the church, now it'll be 28 years in October. And he said, but the values that, from which you started it, I know it. I've seen them because I work with you closely, but they've really never been defined enough to be able to transfer them because the values that built this ministry are not ministry values. They're, they're values that every Christian can live by. That if, I were in, if I were in another vocation, none of this would have changed. I want to help you to understand that there are values that if you understand how to live them in your everyday life and make them a part of your everyday life, they can change everything for you. And so a value is simply something that governs your life, no matter what's going on. A, a value, here's a simple way to say it that may help you. A value-driven person will be calm in the middle of the storms of life. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Anybody find out you didn't have to pray for that scripture to come to pass? If you're going to wait to the difficult time, if you're going to wait until your emotions are rocked to make a wise choice, you are going to often make a very poor choice because you're not in a place to make a cogent or a wise decision. But when you have values that govern your life, they make you immovable whether it's a good day or a bad day. And so these values that we're going through are the things that have governed the way Michelle and I have lived for the 33 plus years of our marriage and for the 28 years of the life of this church in October. And I wanna help you to see that these apply to everyday life, whether you've been a Christian for a week or a year, or a decade, or five decades. 
I want you to see this is applicable to your everyday life. Say it out loud, everybody. Everyday life. Listen, if it isn't everyday life, it's just simply religion and nonsense. Jesus didn't come for church on a weekend. He came to change and literally liberate people so they could walk with God and know him intimately, live in freedom every day. Now, we've already gone through four of the values. And the first weekend was let love lead. And then we talked about start with people then expect multiplication, then last week, make it count. This week, I'm going to take you to the fifth value. Next week will be the sixth. But this week, I want to talk to you about surrender to the Holy Spirit. Surrender to the Holy Spirit. Say that out loud with me. Surrender to the Holy Spirit. The key word is surrender. Most Christians don't know what that means in the context of the person of the Holy Spirit, and there's a good reason. Because most Christians don't understand the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, under the, 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 if you will, the value, surrender to the Holy Spirit, there's a, a subtext that we wrote. It's a little bit longer than the others, but I want to take the time to read it because th- this is the essence of that value. For our lives and leadership to reflect the life and the mission of Jesus, we surrender to the person, the baptism, and gifts of the Holy Spirit. We seek the kingdom first, By living in an ongoing personal relationship with the Holy Spirit and rely on his voice to teach, lead, and edify us. The word edify means to build up. So I want you to understand that this value is a surrender to the person of God, the Holy Spirit. Now, the reason people struggle with the person of the Holy Spirit is they don't understand him. In fact, many people, even Christians, I'll hear them call the Holy Spirit an it. You know, it, 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 it was moving. It, it's, he's, he's God. He's, he's the third part, of, if you will, of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God, three distinct personalities. The Holy Spirit is God. In fact, the Holy Spirit is the only part of the Godhead, if you will, that is active on planet Earth today. Jesus was for a period of 33 years the Son. And then when he left, he said the Spirit of God would now be resident and moving in mankind. And yet, so many dear precious people don't know how to surrender to the person of the Holy Spirit. And I want to help you to see that value. The first thing I want you to understand is this, surrendering to his guidance. Surrendering to his guidance. To understand that the Holy Spirit of our God literally wants to guide you, please hear this, please, please, in your everyday life. Not, well, you know, I'm just not that spiritual. I know other people are. No, no, no. This is for everyday people. People that are endeavoring to walk with God. People that got to issues. Anybody got to issues? No, you don't have got to issues? Yeah, you do. you just, you just in denial. If you, you, everyone got to issues. And if you're waiting for perfection before God the Holy Spirit will enter into your life, if you will, to help you in your everyday life, you're missing this by a thousand miles. He wants to be your helper. Let me, in every one of the values, I've tried to attach stories to them of the foundations of our lives, mine and Michelle's, so you can see how they actually function in our everyday life. Now, understand these values can only apply to to the vocation of which we're called, which is ministry and pastoral ministry, and, and very, very few people are ever called to that. So don't think this is, this isn't for pastors and, and, and ministers. There isn't a separate Bible for us. Everything written is as much for you as it is for me. Everything and anything God would do for me to fulfill my purpose in, his, in this earth, he'll do for you. There are no respecter of persons. Every person's part. 
is important. There is not the sacred and the secular. Everything you do with the gifts God's given you is sacred. It's as sacred as what I do. And when you understand that, you'll kind of pull away the, 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 the curtains, if you will, on, on bifurcating your life from what God is over here and then I live my life over here without him. So years ago, when Michelle and I, we just got married, it was 1988, uh, I was speaking in churches at the time. I would typically go speak on a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night. Then we would travel to the next church, and I did that for about seven years. Now, I, I want to make sure to give you a context. These are really, really small churches. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I just don't want you to think that I was speaking in churches of this size or, or even five, 600 people. They were usually about 75 to 100 people. And I, I, I'm just simply saying that so you get the context. And, and, and it was as meaningful to me to do that as what I'm doing today. But while we're doing that, we just got married and we're traveling together. We were living over in Beaver County on the, uh, uh, near the Midland area. And we were going to go speak in Apollo, Pennsylvania. This is 1988. So we came up to come up in through Cranberry to go on the turnpike to get there. Well, as we drove into, into, into Cranberry Township on Freedom Road, we were just talking. We were just having, you know, dr- nothing spiritual, just talking as we drive. But, it, it, but all of a sudden, it, it felt like we drove into the presence of God. And I, I'm going to do my best to explain spiritual things to you, but sometimes they're hard to put into words because they happen inside you. But we were just, we didn't expect this. We weren't praying. We, were, we just were driving along. And as we drove along, doing what we believe God had led us to do, the presence of God, literally, we both immediately stopped talking. We sensed the presence of God, and we just stopped talking. And then... God dealt with my heart, and he dealt with Michelle's heart, something very real to us. It wasn't something we were thinking about, something we were planning. It, and so the presence of God lifts. It, it just in just seconds, it felt like. And I said to Michelle, I said, honey, did God speak to your heart about something just now? She said, yes. I said, tell me. What did he tell you? She said, no, you tell me first. <laughs> and so I got her to talk first, and she said, I, I believe he said we're going to start a church here someday. I said, exactly what I have in my heart. Oh, my gosh. And then, I, you know, men, we all have answers even when we don't, right? So I said, wait, 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 baby, let me tell you what that means. Because you know I'm not a pastor, right? She goes, yeah, you're not a pastor. She didn't have any trouble believing that wasn't going to be my thing because I I got, listen, I'm I'm what they call limited. And so, so, (laughs) yeah, it's just life, you know. And and so I said, baby, you know, here's what will happen. Somebody will be called to start a church in Cranberry. And when they do, we'll know it's God's will for us to stop traveling, come and serve that church and serve that pastor. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll, I'll, I'll find a job if I need to help. I'll do anything I can do to, to, to help, help that church grow and, and reach people. She said, okay. And we just went on with our lives. Well, it was 88, 89, 90, 91, 92. In 92, we're planning to move to Africa to do mission work. And, and it was really confusing to both of us because we're thinking, Lord, we know what you said to us about Cranberry Township, but I want you to understand, here's what I prayed almost for four years. Lord, I'm willing to go and help anybody, but somebody is not obeying you. I can't help somebody who won't go. So I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm just, that's just See, that's how I pray. Why? Because that's how you talk to a human. You talk in, don't talk to God like he's weird. You ever notice when people pray, they get weird? They'll talk to you like this and they go, Oh, mighty God! 
odd. And they make faces and noises. It's like, stop. Can you imagine God listening to some of us? He's like, why, why, why they do that? I can hear them. That's weird. That's weird. Oh, that's weird. But I listen, but well, that's weird. Don't do that anymore. And that's how I prayed. I said, Lord, I can't obey you if somebody won't. So we're living in Africa at the time. And, and, and we were there about a, a year or so. And, and, and we're saying we loved, we loved, we loved serving in Africa. And we were like, God, is this where we're supposed to live our lives and give our lives to this? And, and we would have been thrilled to do it. And, and, and yet we knew this thing God told us in 1988. So we began to pray because we have to make a decision. What's our next step? And I said, Lord, we're willing to do anything, but somebody's not obeying you. What can we do? So Michelle and I took some extra time in prayer. And, and that's why the prayer is so important. And we're waiting on God, and both of us independently the other, God makes it real to both of our hearts. I called you to do it. Now, I, I fought that. I went to Michelle. I said, babe, I feel like we're supposed to start it. She said, me too. I said, that's crazy. Here's when I knew I was supposed to do this. I gave God the guy, a guy's name, Tony Cook. And you think I'm I'm not joking. Tony's brilliant. And by the way, I was right because years later, he's now on the board of this church. One of the most resourceful, brilliant, spiritual men I've ever met in my life. And he serves this church. He's such a blessing. And I was right back then. And I knew it. I said, Jesus. Because every time something went crazy, I said, I told you I couldn't do this. Tony Cook could have done it. That's what I'd tell him. And, and I knew that we were called to do it. So back we come. And I, I wish I could give you enough detail to understand how ridiculous the way we started this church was. People say, well, tell me about your demographic study. I didn't know what that meant. Yeah, I'm not exactly, I, we had no concept of what we were doing other than just doing what God led us to do. We started in, on the 17th of October, 1993 in the cinema. And, and that's before churches were using theaters. And there we were. I don't have time to go into much more detail about that part, but we're, we're there in the church and, it's, and, and it starts to grow. And we don't know why. We, don't know. we know what's in our heart. We see this, but we don't see how to get there. Well, my best friend, Pat Butcher, who's also a part of the board of this church, he's a wonderful man, a man of God. He's such an incredible guy. He called, we're, we're best friends, have been for going on 30 years. And Pat would call me every day, and he'd torment me. And he'd say, Nuzo, when, when's victory going to go buy land or find a building? I said, well, Butch, there are no buildings in Cranberry. You have to remember Back, Cranberry didn't even have a post office in 1993. I said, there's no buildings here. You have to build them. He said, well, you need to go get land. I said, Butcher, we're, we're not even a year and a half old as a church. We can't buy land. He said, oh, poor old God needs a running start. Poor old God. He said, maybe in a couple of years he'll get up the strength. Just give him time, news, give him time. I said, shut up, Butcher. So every day he'd just keep prompt, you know, prodding my, I said, all right, all right, all right. So we got a hold of a real estate agent. Happened to be a lady named Karen Giannakini who now comes to church here. At the time, she didn't. It was her first real estate sale. And she just entered into that, that business. And Karen took us around looking at things, and, and she brought us to that property. Now, I'm only doing it to get Pat Butcher off my back because I think this is, we can't do this yet. Well, when we got out of the car on the land she brought us, which is where our first building was, the second we stepped out of that car, the same thing happened to us as when we drove into Cranberry in 1988. I didn't even need to ask Michelle. I just looked at Karen and I said, we're going to buy this. 
No, I, I didn't tell her the church didn't have any money. Because we didn't. And Karen, that was her first sale, and she brought and took the, 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 uh, uh, the what do you call it, what you get when you sell a property? Um, commission, yeah, thank you. It's up there somewhere, I just couldn't find it. She took the commission and gave it back to the church. Hey, isn't that a great seed to sow? How would you like to sow in that first thing? Isn't that incredible? And so, uh, uh, so we would go over oftentimes, just Michelle and I, and pray on the property. Just sit there at night and, in our car and we'd pray. One night we're praying on the property and a police car pulls in behind us. It's dark, you know, and it's kind of, there's no lights there. And comes up to the window and he said, excuse me, can you tell me why y'all are here? I said, we're praying. He said, no kidding. He said, I, I never heard it called that before. <laughs> I said, uh, no, I told him who we were and why we were there. And he said, oh, okay, okay. Now, one of the times we we're praying on that property, Michelle looks at me and she said, honey, do you realize where we were when the Holy Spirit spoke to us? I said, yeah, yeah we were right on freedom. And it was that exact spot. Exactly. I knew where we were. I looked up and I was... We had already bought the property at that point. We were pr- planning on it anyway. And it, it, we drove into the presence of God at that spot. You'll start a church. He, surrender to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. He's not looking for perfect people with all the answers. He's looking for people who will hear and obey his voice. And that applies not just to me. It applies to everyone's everyday life. Surrender to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Let me be more specific Jesus said some things about the person. Say out loud at all the campuses, the person. The person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said some things about the person of the Holy Spirit that you need to be aware of, that is available to you, listen to me, please, in your everyday life. Not in the sweet by and by, but in the here and rotten. With every inadequacy and every weakness you have in your life. Stop trying to get better before you'll let God help you. Because you need God's help or you ain't getting better. It's, it's such a paradox that we live as, as believers. So listen to some of the things Jesus said is available to those who will surrender to the Holy Spirit. He, this is in just four cha- three chapters in the Bible, John 14, 15, and 16. You can read it for yourself. Jesus said that he, the Holy Spirit, after Jesus ascends, and he, and, and he sent, the Father sends him, if you will. He said he will show you things to come. He'll show you the future for you. Now, I want you to understand what I'm talking about is that it isn't just God directing, well, he would deal with you and Michelle because that was about a church. No, 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 no. Jesus didn't say he would show pastors things to come. He said he would show you things to come. He would show you things to come. That's what the Holy Spirit is about. He will show you things to come. And it's very important that you grasp this simple principle. He is, he wants you to have, if you will, a father-son relationship with him. Not, a, a, or a father-daughter, if you will. That's why in Romans chapter 8, it says this, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, listen now, they are the sons and daughters of God. It is the privilege of every child of God to be led by the Holy Spirit, to be guided by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, when you have this intimate relationship with him, he will show you things to come. Also, he said, he will be your counselor and with you forever. How many of you think it'd be nice to have God as your counselor? That's a good thing. He said, and he, the Holy Spirit, is, is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Let me pause on this one for just a moment. Do you ever wonder why this world has gone nuts? Why 
in, in the world, the world in the Bible refers to those without Christ. Do you ever wonder why absolute truth is rejected in the world? Why there are no moral absolutes? Because you see, truth is not an experience. I believe one of the most asinine statements uttered on the earth today is my truth. Now, if you mean by that your experience, that's fine, but that's a horrible way to use the word truth. Experience and truth all the time ain't the same thing. But nonetheless, if you mean your experience, then fine. But if you mean you have an absolute truth that's for you, and I have an absolute truth for me, and they're different, they can't be absolute. So here's the reason why people without Christ can't receive absolute truth, because absolute truth is not an opinion. Absolute truth is not an experience. Absolute truth is a person. It is God the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of truth, and he will lead and guide you into that truth. That's the next thing he said I'll do. I will guide you into all truth, which is the perfect plan and will of God for you. There are no gray areas in the mind of God. God looks at nothing within just kind of vagueness, ah, whatever. In fact, the Bible says about our God that in him there is no change, so much so, no variableness, not even so much as a shadow of turning. The reason the world can't receive truth is they haven't received him. And the reason you can is not because you're smarter. It's because you've received him. What a privilege it is. He, Jesus said, he, the Holy Spirit, will live in you. Say out loud, in me. That's why in First John he said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He, he said he will live in you and he will be with you always. He said he will teach you. He's your teacher. He will remind you of everything I've said to you. He is your comforter, Jesus said. He is the peace that I leave you. Jesus said, my peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives peace do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled. This kind of peace will cause you to have a, a, a heart that isn't troubled in the midst of a storm. The peace of the world is subjective to your circumstance. The peace of the world is on a great day you're peaceful. On a bad day you're not. The peace of God is not a feeling of tranquility in a bad time. The peace of God is the person of the Holy Spirit. It is having God with you to comfort you in the midst of whatever you face. The peace that people, people say, well, pray that God will give me peace. You mean a good feeling? Well, yeah, I just need to feel good. No, you don't. You need to understand that God, the maker of the universe, the Holy Spirit, the scripture said, who hovered in creation and literally formed the universe, is with you and in you and Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That's why you can have peace because he is your peace. And the feeling may eventually catch up. And it may not. But that's why you walk by faith and not by sight. Jesus said he, the Holy Spirit, is your strengthener, your advocate, your standby. And he is your helper. Jesus said this about him. He, the Holy Spirit, will convict or convince people of their need for a savior, Jesus. He points and leads people to Jesus. It's very important. Every week in these values series, we've been encouraging you to, to share Jesus with people that you know in your everyday life. 
And what a lot of people don't like doing it is because they feel that, well, well I won't do a good job or, uh, you know, I need to get a few things straight. No, 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 no. The Bible said he, not you, not me, will convince them of their need for Christ. My job is to give them the gospel. And God, Jesus said, when you do that, the Holy Spirit will show up and deal with them. It gives me great confidence in my imperfect life to tell people about a Savior because I don't have to convince you of anything. That's what Jesus said the Holy Spirit will do. Then Jesus said this, I want you to understand. He said, you are to then receive the gift. Say out loud in all of the campuses, the gift. Say it out loud where you hear it, the gift. That's very important. Most people don't walk with God and, and receive from him because they think they have to earn something. Listen, Jesus commanded. He said, you need to receive the gift of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. The gift. Listen to what Jesus commanded the early church just prior to his ascension in Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. This is after his resurrection. On one occasion while Jesus was eating with them, don't you love the practicality of Jesus? See, people are just hanging out eating. I love him. I could eat with Jesus. Yes, hallelujah. On one occasion while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. Say it loud, the gift. The gift of my Father promised you. For you've heard me speak about this. For John baptized you with, baptized with water, but in a few days, listen, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The word baptism means immersed. If you've given your life to Jesus, how many of you have received Christ as the Lord of your life? Wave at me, okay. Here's the deal. If you've done that, you are born of the Spirit. You've been born of the Spirit. That's called, Jesus called it being born again of the Spirit of God. Your inward man is born again. When you did that, the Holy Spirit now abides in you. So if you're born again, if you've received Jesus, the Holy Spirit's in you. But there is a second and subsequent experience of that called the baptism of the Holy Spirit that Jesus said you should receive. Now, I don't have time to teach this experience, but it's all throughout the book of Acts. You can find it every, from Acts 2 all the way through. And that, that Bible experience is available to every person. That's why at all campuses today, at all of our campuses, at the end of our service when we worship, we're going to conclude the service with inviting people who have never received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. What is that? I don't, I've never been received the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And I want that Bible experience. And I want to pray with a prayer partner. We're going to give you that opportunity at all of our campuses today. But he only comes by invitation. Gifts have to be received. It's not automatic. Being filled with the Holy Spirit and being born of the Holy Spirit, you must surrender to both if you're going to walk with God. It's one of the most important values you can have as a Christian. Thirdly, if you're going to surrender to the Holy Spirit, you have to desire something from God. The Bible commands that we desire spiritual gifts. Say it out loud, desire spiritual gifts. Now, listen to this scripture in 1 Corinthians 14, 1. The, Bible, the scripture said, pursue love and then seek earnestly and desire spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts, you find them in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Everyone say the word supernatural. They aren't natural. Okay, I have, the, I, I, have, I have a PhD. I have the gift of knowledge. You know, you have a PhD. And God bless you. It's a good thing. Unless it made you stupid. But that's another subject. So what do you mean made me stupid? If you, your PhD made you smarter than God, that's stupid. You spent a lot of money to find out you were just, anyway, we'll go there another day. But 
Here's the deal, though. Listen, listen. These are spiritual gifts. Do you understand in your relationship with God, the Holy Spirit, and surrendering to him that he will show you things to come, be your counselor, lead you and guide you into all truth with you, always never leave you. He'll teach you. He'll strengthen you. He'll be your advocate. He'll stand by you. He'll help you. Imagine that. And now he has a tool belt of, of supernatural gifts that he makes accessible to you in your everyday life and that he will manifest into your life as he wills. But you have to desire them. We're commanded in Scripture, desire this intimacy, not just walk with God, but to receive and live with the power of God in your everyday life. I'm going to, uh, last night as I was praying before the service, I I sent an email to one of our staff and said, I'm going to be, God put it in my heart to do a series on the Holy Spirit, hearing his voice, and then also the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So I'll be teaching you about these in great depth. But there are nine of them listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And they are supernatural. Three of them are utterance or or gifts that say something. Three of them are revelation gifts, gifts that reveal something. And three of them are power gifts, gifts that do something. And let me give you an example. About five, six weeks ago on our Saturday night service here in the Cranberry campus, we, and that's why at the back end of the service, we wait on God and the presence of God comes and we worship him and the Holy Spirit begins to do things that are incredible. Now, I'm going to explain this in a way, and this is not the way it happened, but it's the best way I can explain it to you. And, and I don't want you to think that this is something that... See, I want you to understand these are things that you can walk in in your everyday life. I just wish spiritual things were as simple as one, two, three, four. They're not. We see, the Bible says, in part. But you take those steps when God gives them to you. Well, we were worshiping after one of the times at church at the end on a, on a Saturday night service. And, and, and I'm just standing back here worshiping with everybody else. And I just looked up and as I looked on the congregation, here's what it felt like. I didn't do, this isn't what happened, but I, it's the best way I can explain it. It seemed like everybody was in grayscale except two people were in living color. And they just, like they just came out at me. And I knew there was something God wanted to do for those two people. So why would he want to do that? Because he's God and he loves people. He said, but, but well, why? I said, because he's God and he loves people. He said, well, don't you think he should do something else? I said, because he's God and loves people. I just, I'm just the errand boy and so are you. So uh, there were two, both things that night were remarkable. I'm, on, I'm only going to share one with you. But the one was, there was a man right in the center, and I said, sir, and with the lights, I, c- I couldn't make out. If I did know him, I wouldn't have known him. I said, I, I need to pray for you, and, and, and I presume that's your wife beside you. He said, yeah. I said, She's, would you just lay your hands on your husband? I'm going to pray for him. People around you, gather around and pray for him. And so I prayed over him, and what I had in my heart was something was wrong with him in, in, where he needed healing in his chest area, and I knew there was something going on in here. But I stayed pretty vague with it and just prayed with him. And, and then we went on. After the service, I was out greeting people. He came and was so kind. He said, thank you for praying for me. I said, well, tell me about what's going on with you in this part of your body. He said, well, you know, I guess I'm just a little tired maybe. I said, no. I said, then that's not what I had in my heart. I'm sorry. Then I'm thinking, well, you know, just maybe I missed something. I said, uh, sir, I said, I, I feel like you, you, when I was praying for you that you, 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 you've lost your ability, to, your breath, you, you, you're breathing, you, you're having struggle, you're struggling breathing. He said, well, about a month ago, I, I had a tumor taken out of my chest and part of my lung. 
You think it might be that? Yeah, I think it is. That's the one. Why would God do that? Because he loves him. How much more does he want? I'm so convinced. There's so much more he wants to do when we gather. So much more he wants to do in your everyday life than we ever see him do. I hunger for this. I hunger for you to experience this so that you understand this isn't something for super spiritual people or people that are 10 years ahead of you and God. This is for every Christian who has the baptism and filled with the Holy Spirit and, and, and desires spiritual gifts. And when we teach about it, I, I just want you to, oh, this is such a wonderful way to live. And lastly, I want to tell you about receiving the Holy Spirit's help in prayer. Receiving the Holy Spirit's help in prayer. This is so important because if you ask the average Christian, why does God need you to pray? They'll just look at you. In fact, I've been asked a very, very good question by people. Why do we really need to pray? Doesn't God know what he wants to do? What did did he forget? I need to tell him and he'll go, man, if you didn't tell me, I wouldn't have known to do that. Did you ever, then why pray? See, when you have a belief that everything that happens is God's will and God's plan, then number one, your belief's wrong. Not everything that happens on planet Earth is the will of God. God has given man a will, and that will can be used for him or against him, for man or against men. But the will of God isn't automatic. That's not how it works. You have to cooperate with God. Now, again, I want to remind you, tonight, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night, at your campuses, you'll get your specific direction. We are going to meet to pray. And I don't mean just, I don't expect, I don't even pray like some kind of religious duty to experience the power of God and expect God to move in your life and to to answer the heart cry of your life. That's why at the end of all of our services at all the campuses, I'm going to encourage you to do something very simple here at the Cranberry campus is to go to either either side of me to these crosses, write down your prayer request and tack it to the cross or go out in tunnel three and and write it on a post-it note and post it to the prayer wall. And we're going to pray over those tonight, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night. And I want to encourage every one of you not just to write something down, but to discipline yourself and to get here as much as you can during those four, these four nights. Don't be too busy for a supernatural tool belt. Don't get so busy with your own ability that you, li- you let go of the God of the universe who wants to partner with you. Prayer, remember this, is a dialogue. It's not a monologue. Yes, you can talk of God about what you need, but I want you to understand something about prayer. There are things God needs you to do in prayer. What do you mean God needs me to do? Understand this about prayer, and this is why prayer is so important. You need a physical body to have authority on this earth. God has chosen to limit himself to moving on the earth through a physical body. That's what he's chosen. That's why in the Old Testament, when it spoke of Jesus prophetically, it said, sacrifice is an offering you didn't have for me to do. That is the Son of God, like the Old Covenant animal sacrifices. But listen, he said, but a body I have prepared for you. Jesus had to come in a human body, born of a virgin, so that he could have authority to exercise on the earth. He's called the last Adam. The first Adam fell in sin and committed treason against God. The last Adam would take the sin of the world, having never sinned, and bear it as the innocent Lamb of God. And then the wrath of God would fall to him, but he needed to be here in a human body. The Holy Spirit 
wants to use you to pray out the will of God in the earth because you are here. How about this? The Bible calls you and me the body of Christ. Why? Because we are the physical manifestation of Christ in the earth. He is the head of the church. Listen now. You are his body. You matter. We live so far beneath our privileges of the authority that belongs to us in him. Jesus, when he left, he said, all power and authority is given to me, and now I transfer it to you in my name. In essence, he said, I give you power of eternity to use my name in the authority that backs it in prayer. And the Holy Spirit will actually prompt you. If you ever heard someone say this, I feel a burden to pray. If they just, oh, I just need to pray about this. I need, so-and-so keeps coming up in my heart. I just need to, I just need to pray for them. If you ever seen somebody, you know, I've been praying for you. I just, you've just been on my heart. Can I help you understand that isn't just you? That isn't just natural. It's you stepping in to partnership with the Holy Spirit. It's you surrendering to him, not just in prayer to receive for yourself, but in prayer being used to touch and to bless others. That's why I'm asking you to create and to write down what you're believing God for. That's why the scripture said you have not because you ask not. Well, if God just wants to do it, he'll do it. No, he won't. God will do nothing independently of his body any more than you can. He's limited himself. He's chosen to limit himself to move in the earth through his body. So to the extent we yield to him is to the extent his will is done on the earth. And to the extent we don't is the extent it isn't. That's why Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill that should not be hidden. You are the sons and daughters of God. Let me illustrate it through an experience that happened I guess five, six years ago now. Uh, here in the Cranberry campus, Pastor John Spencer is here with his wife, Kathy. And uh, Kathy's, of course, about 40 years younger than John. And uh, John's middle name is Methuselah. That's the old guy in the Bible. Well, one night, this is, I guess, four or five years ago, I'm guessing. I don't remember, but I, I lose track of years. Uh, Michelle, it's about three in the morning. I'm talking to you about surrendering to the Holy Spirit in prayer. This is for you not just for pastors. And this matters because God wants to do this in your life, in your family, and in, in, in in directing your life as well. He wants to use you this way. Well, it's about three in the morning and I hear Michelle actually groaning. Let me read the scripture to you first to give you the context about the Holy Spirit in prayer. Romans eight twenty six says this. In the same way, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we ought to pray for as we should. Doesn't, we know how to pray, but we don't always know what to pray for. If you ever face things, you go, I don't even know what to pray. He said, no, that, that's true. He said, but the Spirit himself, listen, the Spirit himself intercedes for us, listen now, with groans that cannot be expressed in words or not in articulate speech you can understand. The Holy Spirit will burden you and you will begin to pray things out, both with your understanding and in the Spirit. And I don't have time to teach this, but praying in the Spirit or in other tongues, praying out divine secrets, the Bible says. About three or four in the morning, somewhere around there, I hear Michelle, literally, it sounds like she's sick. And, you know, she's five foot nothing and we have a king size bed and I'm trying to find her. And I just keep reaching over and she's not there, but I hear her. Now I'm thinking, oh my goodness. I said, Michelle, are you okay? And, and she doesn't answer me. I'm about to get up and turn on the light. I'm like, honey, are you okay? And she's like, I, I'm just, I have to pray. I'm just praying. And I said, oh, okay, okay. And she's, and she's praying. And I mean, literally, I hear her go, oh, 
Oh, and then she'd just pray in English, and then she'd pray in the Spirit. And finally she said, oh, honey, would you just help me pray? And I said, sure. And then I fell asleep. <laughs> what? I, said, I, I don't like pretending. God uses humans. This one went to sleep. I figured he woke her up, not me. <laughs> no, I meant to pray, but I fell asleep. About five in the morning or so, she gets into bed. She wakes me up. She said, get in the shower and get ready. You're going to get a phone call, and you need to go to the hospital soon. I said, uh, oh, okay, okay. And I, I just kept sleeping. And uh, sure enough, I don't know, it was before 6, Kathy calls our house. And I pick up the phone, and she says, John's here getting some tests, and he's now in the emergency room. Uh, he had uh, pulmonary embolisms. How many clots? I don't know how many. Were there a bunch oh, oh, in his lungs? That's a bad day. And Michelle said to me, now listen to what she said. I'm helping you to see that you surrender to the Holy Spirit. This is real. How many of you would like to have this opportunity for someone even you love? And someone you don't even know God can use you. You can pray the supply of the power of God into tomorrow if you'll be led. And she said to me, she said, honey, I don't know what it's going to be. But whatever that phone call is, they're fine. They'll be fine. Don't, worry. They don't even think about it. You, go tell, you tell them they're fine. And that's what I said to Kathy. I said, I can tell you, I don't know what the road ahead is going to be, but he's fine. Don't worry about this. Michelle just already prayed for it. I was supposed to be ready to leave right now, and I'm not. And then I went over, and, and here's what I want you to understand. How much are we missing by not surrendering to the Holy Spirit? He wants to do this in your everyday life. He wants to do this in my everyday life. That's why when we talk about people coming to know Jesus... The last thing I want you to think of is religion. What a joke. That's just what you do for an hour or two on a weekend and be miserable coming and going and getting arguments. Trying to get there. And your kid's in a car. That's sacred what we do here. But listen, this is supposed to be your everyday life. And I long for you to live this way. In the imperfect world you live in, in the imperfect life you live. Because God only uses imperfect people. Before we go any further at all of our campuses, I want to make certain that everybody under the sound of my voice has given their life to Christ. That you've had the opportunity to give your life to the one who gave his life for you. The one who was wrapped in a human body so that the wrath of God that was due you fell to him. He died for you. Oh, the love of God is un unimaginable. If today you were to die, do you know where you'd spend eternity? whether you're online or at one of our campuses, listen, please, or here at the Cranberry campus, listen. If you died today, where will you go? Jesus said there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. If you die without a Savior, you die in your sin, which means you pay for it yourself for eternity. But if you die having received Christ, you receive the salvation as a free gift, and he saves you from your sin. And the punishment that he bore, he bore for you. You make him the Lord of your life, and the Bible said he makes you brand new, as if sin never existed before. When you understand that's what it means to be a Christian, is to receive Christ. Not to become something you don't think you can become. And let the greater one live on the inside of you and love you and care for you. What, a, what an amazing... If you died today, do you know where you'd spend your eternity? With every head bowed and every eye closed at all of our campuses.
In a moment, I'm going to ask you to simply respond if you want to receive Christ through an uplifted hand in a moment. At all of our campuses, the campus pastors there will, will serve you. Like I'm going to be here at Cranberry, they're there right now, ready to pray over you. Listen, if you've never given your life to Christ or you're not sure, I want to encourage you right now to, to open your heart and receive Jesus into your life. He turns no one away. He'll make you brand new. Your sin debt will be totally canceled. And you can now walk with God in everyday life because of the Savior. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, he said, Pastor, I don't know if I've ever received Christ or I'm not certain if I have, and I want to know. Don't know. I go to church. That's not enough. God didn't send a church. I was baptized as a baby. That's wonderful, but it doesn't make you a Christian. No sacrament of any church works to make you a Christian, including this one, only receiving Jesus. Have you done that? If you haven't, don't leave. Don't wait another second without doing that. So if you've not done that or you're not sure and you want to be included in that prayer, with every head bowed and every eye closed at all of our campuses, for the you online, just put it down in the comments. You say, I want to pray with you today to receive Christ as the Lord of my life. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed at all of our campuses. Would you raise your hand up real high where we can see it? Do it right now, and, the, and I'm going to pray for you and your campus pastors as well, right where you're at. Just hands, just do it right now if you want to receive Christ in your life. Thank you. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. One last moment, I want to look around. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. One last moment. Wonderful. Listen, you put your hands back down. Listen, if you raised your hand, or you should have. At all of our campuses, including you that are watching online, pray this out loud where you hear it. We're all going to pray it together with you at all of our campuses. Jesus will come into your heart and your sin will be wiped away. Oh, this is the greatest moment of your eternal life. Pray it out loud where you hear it and we'll all pray it together with you. Say it where you hear it. Say, Heavenly Father. Say it where you hear it. Say, Heavenly Father. I come to you in the name of Jesus. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. He died on a cross to bear my sin debt. I open the door of my heart and life. And Jesus, I receive you now to be the Savior and Lord of my life. Thank you for coming. I am now a child of God. My sin debt is canceled. When I die, I am heaven bound because Jesus is the Lord of my life. Amen, amen, amen. Give them a hand, would you? Best decision of your life. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Victory Family Church. If you enjoyed listening, please take a moment to rate, review, and share. For more resources, including locations and service times, please visit lifeatvictory.com.